In this episode of the Passion DJ Podcast, we're going to bring you news and the rebirth of Trips Throwbacks. What up, Passion DJ Nation, and welcome to Trips Throwbacks, where Trip basically takes us back in time about anything he considers a throwback. So, which is just about everything, considering I'm in my 40s. Yeah, for sure. So this will be the first segment and my intention for this and we've and Tripp and I have talked is just, you know, anything about the culture that he just feels like is is pertinent to talk about in terms of a throwback session or just, you know, anything that brings back some memories and stuff to share with you guys just to let us let you all know about, you know, the history of of where we come from. So whatever I can remember that wasn't fried back in the 90s. (laughs) And if, for those of you who don't know, this is Bodie right here. Say hi, hi Bodie. Bodie. <laughs> All right, so for today, Trip's throwback is... So we're going to throw some music on. Okay. Um, yeah, like, uh, you know, that's what uh, DJing's all about. And so, or you know, one of the key pieces of it, uh, music is... Uh, always been integral in my life, and that's kind of what all of this stuff circles around. I've got stories for days, too, that, you know, goes around certain uh, songs or certain events, things like that. But, um, yeah, just felt like uh, putting together just a short little playlist. This Because this whole thing, the Trips Throwbacks thing, is a... Is a well, how did it get started? Maybe yeah. explain to everybody yeah, that so piece of it. Yeah, so it all started with, like... Um, uh, a blog that I had that I had tried and uh, that I had started and tried and it just it it never took off because I I wasn't disciplined enough to keep up on it. So I had like three, four, maybe five uh, entries into this thing and I just didn't have a home. It didn't have an audience. Then I I wasn't curating it. Okay, so bye. Um, <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, so I just, I wasn't, like, curating the audience. I wasn't really pushing it out there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a thing. It was just something where just I was, something you were like, I'm going to try this, and then yeah, just to and kinda, you tried it. Yeah, just to see if, like, I liked what it looked like once I got it out, you okay. know? And it, because I've always loved writing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily good at it. Um, I'm very verbose in my writing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, let's, let's, try it and see what happens and if i still like it then maybe i'll keep it up and then um yeah after like i said somewhere between three maybe half a dozen i got them out there and i was like this is this is cool i like Mm -hmm. this and and it had gotten a little bit of attention and by a little bit i mean like less than 20 people um but it was like it was organic enough to where it was people were looking for you know certain music or they were looking for my name mm-hmm. and that came up in google results because i think it was like what was google's blog uh, blogger.com i think it was that google's thing or or maybe they bought it i think um, they did yeah. yeah yeah so it was and so that's where it was and had a few people hit me up like hey this is a really cool idea mm-hmm. and blah 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 and, and um because one of the ideas so one we're not going to play it today but one of the the ideas was like I pulled up um, out of out of my memories like some of my earliest days of DJing, and there was a drum and bass DJ that like made it all click for me because I didn't always like drum and bass. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy named Dano was his DJ name here, here in Dayton. He lives down in Texas now. Um, I don't even know if he's still DJing, but like super awesome dude. 
Um, but like he just had a way of like when we were all kind of jamming together, most of us playing house and trance and mm-hmm. prog and stuff like that. And he would like, you know, come in with the with the drum and bass and then like he would play the tracks that just kind of spoke more to me. It was a lot of it was hip hop based and like halftime type stuff. No, the halftime didn't really exist back then. It okay. was like, you know, like uh, some of it was like, you know, your Aphrodite and, and oh. stuff like that. Okay, so uh, urban jungle. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But then he would like he would take it to this dark place. And back then it was called tech step, you know, stuff that we would call neurofunk now. Mm. Um, but like and he would just take it to these dark places and it was just like, wow, what the hell, man? And uh cuz just like house, like drum and bass is like so diverse. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And so I remember the day that it it, it all clicked for me was uh he played Saul Williams twice the first time mm-hmm. and he laid over um renegade snares on top of it okay and it was just like what like, the hell like poetry, just happened here? like poetry yeah, yeah. like it, it was just it, it opened up this whole other like understanding of of drum and bass for me because back then it just it felt it, it uh, like i'm not gonna be cliche it's, it was like noise but it just wasn't something i was clicking with and, it's pretty uh, complex. There's a yeah. lot going on there. For as yeah. little as there can be going yeah. on there, especially back in those days, you know, I mean, it was, there were times where it was pretty whoopy stuff, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, you know, but like, then once you hit some of those, like, you know, the nine and, and, um, and, and some of those other, like, really aggressive records, you know, some of that moving shadow stuff. And it was mm-hmm. just like, holy shit, just bass face melting right <laughs> off, right? And it was just like, but it was one of those types of things where for drum and bass, like, that's what made it click for me. Okay. Um, so anyway, that was one of the blog entries that I had done, mm-hmm. and then that caught the attention of a couple of people, and they were like, wow, and so like, I would write, and then I would post the YouTube videos for some of these tracks, and it was pretty cool, but then... Uh, in the earlier days of Passionate DJ, before me and Tony came on board, um, and subsequently you, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, I was listening to David and I was like, man, this guy's like on it. Like, mm-hmm. this is something really unique. He, he should be doing this more often mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. So I was really. That's kind of the same way I felt when I stumbled on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, this guy needs to do this podcast more. He needs to keep up on this blog. Mm-hmm. Like, and so like I, there were a couple of times where I hit David up with this idea and he thought it was great. He's always been, you know, super gracious and said, yeah, we can give it a home. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of times where, you know, I thought, okay, well maybe I'll migrate it. And you know, it was just one of those things where I just never quite had the motivation or the oomph to like, it, well, make mean, it cross to over. sustain a blog. I mean, that takes a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Know? And then, and, and by that time, you know, we are all like headfirst mm-hmm. into not just the podcast, but then our careers and mm-hmm. and everything else. So it was like, I just did, that was one of the things that I just had to, I didn't have the time for. I mean, I've never done a blog when I've done a podcast. I think a podcast is probably easier than doing a blog because all we have to do is sit here and record <laughs> and talk shit and, and, and talk. Yeah. And people listen, like, yeah, I don't have to go back and edit and type and then upload it and all that. Well, I mean, we stopped to upload, but just like the, uh, the text aspect of, of blogging and making it co- coherent. Yeah. I think that's a unique skill. Yeah. For, for sure. sure. For sure. 
So, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to bring this kind of thing back into the passionate DJ fold because mm-hmm. otherwise it's just stuff that's going to live up here. And then yeah. when I'm gone, it's gone. And, you know, and I'm sure there's, you know, there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that have similar stories and links to music and mm-hmm. experiences at parties or, you know, you know, uh, artists that they've seen and just, or emotions that have been evoked. And, you know, so I, if nothing else, this helps me get my, my stuff out and then maybe inspires others to do the same. For sure. And I, when you talk about triggering those emotions, like I think the two biggest things that will invoke memories are uh, music and food. Yeah. So, I was going to say smell for sure. Yeah, smell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> smells for sure. Yeah. You Which like, I, to me, that falls under the food yeah, category. Yeah, you and I, for I both sure. serving in the military know we have experienced some unique odors <laughs> or scents, but, but definitely, uh, yeah, music and food are, are I think two things I can always, you know, go back to. Like if someone asked me like, well, where were you this year? And, and the first thing I think is, okay, what music was I listening to? Yeah. So if I was listening to this music, then I was in Japan for the second time. And this is what I was doing. Oh, okay. So, oh yeah, that actually, that was around March. Right. You know, right. And, and it's so weird that I can like, uh, like nail it down to like, maybe like a three month window with certain things. And just my wife, like just doesn't understand how I can do it, but I don't have that at all. Like <laughs> I can, I can narrow it down to like a three to five year period. Uh-huh. But there's so much overlap and so many different things that had happened in my life, whether it was traumatic or big and mm-hmm. things like that. So sometimes it's like, you know, and quite honestly, when you're in that party scene, you know, and, and things get a little muddy. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the crystal ball gets pretty hazy <laughs> even when you're looking backward. And it's like, whoa, I still get people that will like be like, dude, I saw you at blah, blah, blah. And you opened for such and such. And that was just, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, are you sure that was me? Cause I don't, I don't, I don't remember. remember. Yeah. And, and I mean, people will forward me pictures of, you know, shows and, and flyers I was on. And I was like, Whoa, cool. Yeah. 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 I, I, I did do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool to like, you know, um, to be reminded or, and at least, you know, for the memories that, that do resurface, it's like, you know, man, I, I'm incredibly blessed to have had the experiences that I've had. Cause I mean, you know, where I'm at in life, I don't, I, I rarely DJ out mm-hmm. anymore. I don't, uh, people I, at work don't even know you DJ. Uh, Except right. for you did that Christmas party a couple <laughs> years ago. And they're like, wow, you're a DJ. Yeah, I did. A, uh, no, it wasn't a, it was a, it was a, um, Oh, what was it? It was like a summer, um, barbecue, like okay. outdoor. Yeah. So yeah. some outdoor thing and like, yeah, so I set up everything and like, uh, the president of the company comes by and like, is like, what is going, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. What is this? Uh, yeah. Um, but you know, and it's not for a lack of desire, you know, COVID really fucked a lot of stuff up mm-hmm. for a lot of people, but, um, myself not being, uh, exempt from that. But, um, even now that things are starting to open back up and we're starting to see wide swaths of uh, society starting to buck the whole, like shut everything down. You know, a lot of, a lot of people from all political stripes and everything are starting to say enough is enough. It's time to open up. People are fatigued. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't know. I, I, all that to say, I would like to get back out at some point, but Mm -hmm. I'm not in a rush because, you know, I haven't depended on DJing as a source of income for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people out there that do. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love the art form and love playing out with my friends and, and, and playing out to people that, um, uh, that appreciate it. If there's somebody else that their, their, their meal ticket is depending on it. Yeah. I would much rather step Defer, aside. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, we've all got our place and it, it'll all, uh, even out and level out over time. But yeah. So for now, if this is the way that we can, uh, make it happen, then I'm so happy to it. do yeah, so. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. So this, this episode is going to be about music. So yeah. What do, what do you got for us? So you, you got like a, a theme or anything no, like that? No, okay. no real theme. Um, you know, uh, YouTube is a little particular about um, what music we can and cannot they're, use. They're and pull real up. ass pain. <laughs> yeah. I'll let him say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, sometimes when we try to pull from, you know, back catalogs of really popular songs, you know, YouTube can be all like, hey, you can't use that at all. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, you can't make money from this and stuff like that. So I tried to be cognizant of that while trying to pull back some of these, what I consider is uh rave or scene classics um i'm sure i've got particular stories or at least some some uh, some fuzzy memories yeah something um (laughs) but um you know that we can that we can chat around specific ones for sure cool track one is by armin van helden you don't know me released in 1998 This one holds a, a, a special like uh, place in my heart because um, when I when I first started DJing, you know, I was I, I bought a bunch of records and you know, like I was buying Booty House records at first because that everybody told me that was the easiest thing you could you could play. It kind of is. It, yeah, yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there's not a whole lot that you can't do with that. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, you know, DJ Funk was real big at the time and, uh, you know, all that kind of ghetto tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a good crossover from like my love of 90 gangsters rap, mm-hmm. <laughs> 90s gangster rap. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, going from this to this and it was like, okay, you know, and then like two live crew and Luke and all. So it was just like this thing that like, oh, hold on now. So like the DJ and you just couldn't let you pass the first. Not drop. at yeah. all. Not at all. <laughs> like that. That intro is amazing. Yeah. Because um, it's amazing to mix. It's easy to mix. But like this whole like, you know, drop coming into this track is just so huge. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell you how many times I heard it through the what is it? Late 90s through early 2000s. And even today, it's still you know, evokes. It brings a lot of energy. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's like really upbeat, and like the vo- the vocals are super positive and everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what's what's great about this, um, specifically, is that like the the lyrics are very, whether intentional or not, um, are very scene centric. Mm-hmm. You know, everything about the rave scene back in the late ni- back in the '90s period was you know acceptance of mm. you know everyone every, every, mm. not just everyone but specifically like the outcast the misfits the mm-hmm. people who wanted to be strange and weird and it was okay to be that before it was mainstream right yeah. right like you know and you know and having been in the scene like in uh, around that turn of the century type of thing it was like we really wanted everyone to feel the same way and mm-hmm. you know maybe there's some 
ideal uh, idealization there of like this thing that we love so much, and if just everybody could experience it, if everybody it, could get a piece, then things would, would be just so much more more dope. Yeah, you know? and you know, then after Rave Act, I've I've ranted about that mm-hmm. for years, and um, you know, and all that stuff kind of killed the scene through the. 2003 through the mid 2000s and until dubstep came back it came, it came in and like really bumped everything Wake, back woke up. everything up yeah. yeah so then but by that point it was all about like corporate investment and all of that and that's great but along with that came the mainstream of everyone and so like there's there's some bit of what it was that still lives there today the, 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 was, the roots the backbone yeah, but, is, is still there but yeah. the but this sentiment, like just this, you know, perseverance of being who I'm going to be, mm-hmm. and fuck you, you don't even know, know me. me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't even and, know me enough and to, you're to judging judge me. my life yeah. and all of that stuff. And it was just like, you know, so I don't know the story behind the lyrics. All I can tell you is that like this was a total rave anthem for anyone who ever felt outcasted, mm-hmm. and. When you drop this track, like people just jumped mm-hmm. on it. Like, I mean, you could fill a dance floor in a heartbeat. Didn't matter if it played six times a night. Well, but in that first, uh, the first sixteen bars too, because as soon as you started mixing that in, like everybody knew what <laughs> yeah, was coming. Yeah, yeah, everybody knew that string. Because yeah. there wasn't a lot of, there were some violins, I guess, and some strings and a lot of tracks around that time. Because I was in Japan when this dropped, so, but I remember this being very specific in that. Yeah, that violin or whatever it is that, yeah, that yeah. comes up and that I'm whole like, disco vibe yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. that's another thing i was gonna say this this definitely screams disco yeah yeah absolutely like with, with, without any doubt yeah just because um, disco like i said it didn't it didn't die it just became house music right exactly exactly <laughs> and a lot of people don't understand that but you know i mean and then you know from how from the chicago house music scene and detroit techno and mm-hmm. all that, like all of that like just it had political background. It had, you know, statements to make about mm-hmm. marginalized people. It was, it, yeah, it was like, so to have um, been able to go through the uh, the course of life that I did, um, you know, for all the hardship and for all the things that I have been through and 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 seen my way through, I am in, I always feel incredibly blessed to have gone through this scene and seen what I have seen and, and experienced the people that I have mm-hmm. and heard music like this that really like brings all that together for me. Like that those are the types of emotions that like that that really come to fruition when I hear stuff like this that reminds me of those days. So as a DJ, like during your time when when this track was hot, I mean it's still hot today, but like when it first dropped, like when are you playing this? Oh and man. who are you playing it for? Well so that's the thing. That's the interesting thing. So at the time, I wasn't playing this. I bought the record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I went from, like... Had you not fully accepted the house scene yet? No, or? no, 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 no. It, it was more like... Um, how do I put this? It, like, house music at that time for this area was synonymous with, um, say, dubstep DJs in 2010. Like. Okay. Everybody, like, there were a lot of people who played um, house at that time. And if everybody's playing house, 
and everybody's buying the same records from the same six sto record stores, four yeah. to six stores within a tri-state area, like, you know, a lot of people were playing the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that it's not hot, mm -hmm. but like, you know, if you're trying to be a differentiator, like what is- How do you is, make yourself unique? Right. You know? So where I found myself was, I went for Booty House and then playing House. What was your Booty House moniker, by the way? <laughs> um, no, I still went by. <laughs> oh, you still went by. I still went by Digital Psychosis <laughs> okay. for that. Yeah, no, Geronimo Jackson. I um, love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, funny story about that one too. So, um, Geronimo Jackson was the moniker I came up with when I resurrected, you know, my Booty House Ghetto Tech kind of playing stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, in the 2010s at some point, or maybe it was like 2008 or so. I don't remember when I did it, but, um, Geronimo Jackson is actually an Easter egg for anybody who's a fan of the TV show Lost. Um, mm. the, the records that they keep finding on the island is a fictitious band called Geronimo, Geronimo Jackson. Jackson. Oh. But people like latched onto every minute detail oh, of that you Lost. had to with that show. Right. So if you didn't watch it. It was Yeah, it's it, it was very it was vast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot going on. It's worth it seasons 1 through 4. Season 5 is when it jumps the shark and don't even bother with season 6. Um but um yeah, so everybody like was grasping onto every single detail of that show mm -hmm. and Geronimo Jackson was one of them. Geronimo Jackson, what what grabbed me is a, an album cover, and it's like of a uh, a, a like a jackrabbit skull mm -hmm. with a top hat, and it was like I was like that's like a cool thing, like so I kind of latched onto it. And I thought, okay, so how can I make this, you know, in in true old school rave style? How do I take some other like, um, what do you call it? Um, like a logo or something and then like make it raver. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we did it with like laundry. We did it with like cleaning products. We did it with all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, shout out to naughty groove. Um, who, uh, before I came along or before he, uh, brought me on board, uh, his company was called scrubbing bubble, <laughs> scrubbing bubble productions. Okay. I do remember you telling and, us that. Yeah. And his he had the Mr. Bubble. Yeah. yeah. Had, had one of the scrubbing bubbles as his headphone. So cool. Uh, we still got to get this guy on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've already hit him up. He, he needs good. to come on the show. Yeah. But it, then he can bring it on. That's true rave, uh, artifact right there. But, um, so yeah, so I just took that on and I, and instead of CKS, I changed that to in, in Jackson. So mm -hmm. Instead of CKS, I changed it to three capital X's. Mm. So triple X and then yeah. played all booty house, just raunchy stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that was, but from there, then I kind of progressed into like, I briefly played some house just to, you know, kind of play with my friends and stuff like that. But I didn't, I didn't really play that out. Okay. Um, I quickly went from that to like the progressive house and trance kind of scene um, that because that was what was kind of popping at the moment. There weren't very many of us that were playing it when I picked it up. Mm -hmm. There was me, Naughty Groove, Tony and uh, and Drew and this guy out of Columbus uh, named Seek. And there might have been a couple people in Cleveland, like but like we're talking like less than five in each major city through, you know, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Pennsylvania, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, you know, oh, okay, this is how I can differentiate myself. And it's a music form that I like mm -hmm. and people are picking up on it. 
So that's how digital psychosis came to be like this synonymous name with like trance for like through like the mid 2000s when I finally started like transitioning into other music forms like techno and tech house and stuff like that. Then eventually um, this drum and bass part of me that like from playing with Dano and him showing me the ropes with it and then, you know, playing with all these records that he gave Mm -hmm. me, eventually I kind of started playing that out. So yeah, just a, uh, a melting pot over here of just all these, all the music. Yeah. Yeah. Track two is Daft Punk's Around the World, released in So next up, this one. And they recently broke up, so uh, or, I don't know if they broke up or they just went parted different ways, way, parted ways yeah, or whatever. Something. Yeah. Um, but but, but uh, definitely, I never realized how long that they had been relevant. Oh yeah. Because again, going back to my time in Japan, I clearly remember when this dropped, and I didn't realize it was like so long ago that this came out in ninety-seven, ninety-seven, seven, yeah. yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. And, and the only reason I know that is because this was hot when, um, like, when I first, so 96, I turned 18. So, like, from 18 to, like, 20-ish, like, mm-hmm. there was, like, this particular nightclub. So, um, Is it Bourbon Street? You know it, man. <laughs> like, have I mentioned this on the show before? You, you've talked about it. Jason's talked about it. Man. Uh, Tony's talked about it. Yeah. I'm telling you. So this is for all my Cincy people. Uh, 513. That's right. So hopefully y'all are listening. Um, but like, uh, so Tim Hayes, um, uh, DJ Sonic Styles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was uh, he was there. Shout out Jaeger Sessions. That's yeah. right. That's right. He was. Um, so once they closed down Bourbon Street and rebuilt the club on the backside of that mall um and reopened it as metropolis he was their uh dj in the underground room mm-hmm. like so like it was awesome he used to bring me up yes, there kids this was considered underground at one point <laughs> that's right um but yeah it was so cool man like he would let me come up in the booth and like we would just fuck around up there it was, it was pretty cool stuff so shout out to tim I haven't haven't seen him in a while so yeah, for sure um but yeah so like so, so this track any- is yeah i was gonna say for anybody who doesn't yeah. know it's around the world by daft punk um but yeah like man so what was cool about like that back then like so this was i didn't hear this as much at like rave parties as i did the nightclubs um but bourbon street specifically there was a group of us and i'm not a good dancer i'm not a good dancer i never have been that's why i went into djing because i wanted to be part of this culture and it wasn't going to be because of (laughs) of my dancing skills um but um no it was it was cool because like i did hang around a bunch of these like dance crews Mm -hmm. you know trying to get these limbs to like work correctly right and it just didn't Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't for a lack of trying and whenever this song came on i loved this one because there was like this like kind of four corner you know and not a line dance but like a synchronized dance that everybody was kind of doing 
and there was like you know the on the, on yeah, the, yeah, on the four the step yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah the four step you cross over and it was like this around the world yeah. and you go on and like so we would have this whole dance floor you know people just kind of you know doing this number all the way around and it was just so freaking cool yeah. you know what i mean like and you don't see a whole lot of that anymore it's kind of like when i went to hip-hop clubs at the same time and crucial conflict oh. uh dropped hey yeah oh man the only difference was there was a lot more weed smoke let's do a throwback on that one (laughs) absolutely yeah the only difference was there was a lot more weed smoke when crucial conflict came on allegedly allegedly (laughs) (laughs) um and and that one was a little bit different too because i mean it was the same like concept in terms of like your total body movement but crucial conflict it was jumping like Mm -hmm. you know so you uh you were jumping instead of the steps but yeah so that's that's what like i loved most about that one is there was a a whole crew of us and they all knew i was a terrible dancer and that was okay Mm -hmm. like everybody's like you know it was still just like this whole uh you know culture of of good people that like i mean yeah there was the occasional creepers and you know some weird shit that happened with some of the people we hung out with and stuff like that but don't act like it doesn't happen that's right it happens everywhere (laughs) to all y'all listening and watching don't act like it doesn't that's right but you know i mean i think back to those days and it was like yeah we were most of us were broke most of us did not have careers we didn't have kids we didn't have all this stuff never responsibility right and but what we were is we were at uh bourbon street every thursday and sunday night Mm -hmm. and we were dancing our asses off and then afterward we would be at the denny's down the street you know what i mean like was it that was the official uh (laughs) food supplier of in the group group productions yeah Yeah, it's true that's true uh again shout out jason ranch yeah um (laughs) all the ranch all the denny's ranch but uh no that was what was cool man like for me it was always like you know appetizer sampler you know little bowl of ranch and we would just smash food <laughs> talk shit you know we most of us would be so fucked up out of our gourds you know from mm-hmm. you know partying that night and it was just it was a lot of good people just having a good, good time. time yeah and there was Innocent. A lot, yeah yeah like there's a lot of drama that comes with that any group of 18 to 30 year olds you know that are out that long and that screwed up but, but, but which isn't resolved with a hug and a, and a bro not and a bro. always not always <laughs> sometimes sometimes but not always um well not nearly as bad as today yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but you know uh this but that's exactly what comes to mind with this track is 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 um uh, is bourbon street mm-hmm. um it so, was so this wasn't a track you would play but this is one you just like to rock out to yeah yeah, yeah. exactly i'm sure i've got a white label remix somewhere in there mm-hmm. but um yeah no and especially because like you know the the nature of this song is it's flat out house i mean this thing is just this was i'd say a lot of people's introduction to house yeah that were maybe late gen x sure where i think the early gen x that weren't exposed to house i think i always credit uh vogue by madonna yeah yeah, yeah. as like like for us in our or the early xers i think that's where that kind of came in so yeah for for me, I was just like, it, um, I had a lot of early influences into house, and I didn't know it. Mm. Like, um, uh, my wife and I were just talking about this. Uh, our our daughter had a um, a dance competition this weekend, and Labouche 
came on and you know you could tell um, <laughs> exactly want to be my lover yeah. right? and um you could tell what everybody's age range was by how they reacted by how they reacted to that song and I, it was hilarious and you could tell how the coach was <laughs> exactly because we're sitting there and we're just like wow you know and and but then like that's what triggers that thought to me is that like wow I didn't realize it until I got into house music and then now I've got like six LaBouche records in mm-hmm. there and none of them are want to be my lover. Mm. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, who I never thought or knew. I always thought it was a one hit wonder. And, and in terms of the mainstream, yeah, it, was. it was. Yeah. But, but like, when you start looking through your, your, your crates, you're like, Oh damn. Yeah. I got a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. International house records. I mm-hmm. mean, the IHR they they, they've got releases on there. And it was like, wow, that's, that's freaking awesome. So that that's it for our first, well, I guess Rebirth isn't the first one, but the first for the video podcast <laughs> and the first for me right. of Trips Throwbacks. Hopefully many more to come. Uh, thanks for sharing. Absolutely. What's up, passionate DJs? David here, just breaking in for a quick moment to tell you a couple of quick things. First, I hope you enjoyed the return of our Trips Throwbacks segment. Uh, I know Mo's been excited to bring this back to the show, and I know that they've already recorded at least one more of these throwback segments, so stay tuned for that coming soon. Now, as for other passionate DJ-related news, I just released my extensive deep dive into the Play Differently Model 1 and 1.4. Now, these mixers are Richie Houghton's babies, and they've been adopted by many big-name techno DJs such as Carl Cox, Nicole Nadauber, and Hot Since 82. They're lovely mixers, but they're admittedly pretty weird to mix on. So check out my deep dive review and guide at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash passionate DJ. Now, speaking of YouTube channel, just a reminder for those of you who like to watch the video version of our podcast, the show now exists on its own channel. So make sure that you subscribe separately to the Passionate DJ podcast channel if you still want to see it in your feed. All right, and with all that, let's get back to Mo as he wraps up today's show with a little bit of news and some advice for buying DJ laptops. What up, ladies and gentlemen, is your boy Mo Dingo, and I am here to bring you some Passionate DJ news. DJ Ski Mask removes entire catalog from Spotify. I'm done. All my shit is gone from Spotify, said Brian Mueller, otherwise known as Ski Mask, in early January. His main point of contention is the rate of compensation for musicians who have their tracks streaming on the Spotify catalog. My music will be available again as soon as that company starts being honest and respectful to the world of music makers. With the exception of a few compilations and some remixes, his entire catalog is no longer available on that platform. And that was just the beginning of a rough month for Spotify. Comedian, actor, MMA announcer, and podcaster Joe Rogan has come under fire recently for content on his show, The Joe Rogan Experience. Now, The Joe Rogan Experience is exclusively streamed on Spotify, and the bulk of the recent backlash revolves around his views on coronavirus and the guests which he's had on the show regarding the subject. In the past, he's drawn fire for his takes on multiple topics ranging anywhere from global warming to his views on the LBGTQA community. Musicians such as David Crosby, Stephen Stills, Graham Nash, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, and India Ree had their entire respective catalogs removed from the platform in protest against Joe Rogan. Even more recently, 
Rogan has drawn massive criticism for his use of racial slurs in approximately 70 episodes of his podcast, which have since been removed from Spotify. Rogan released an apology video on his personal social media accounts this past week, speaking to his actions. Time will only tell how this will play out. And to round out this episode's news segment, let's talk about something that doesn't spark any controversy among DJs at all. Laptops. Because of their flexibility, most of us choose to incorporate a laptop to meet our computer needs. Nowadays, it's much easier to find a super powerful laptop that can match the strength of comparable desktops. Lucky for us, Music Radar put together a list of the best DJ laptops for 2022. The assumption is the DJ is going to be using Serato, Tractor, or Rekordbox. Has a minimum of eight gigabytes of RAM. Looking at that portability factor, definitely battery life and a onboard solid state hard drive. Now some things to note, the prices are approximate as of the time of this recording and may be vastly different by the time you listen to this podcast. Coming in at number five is the Asus Viobook S starting at 650 US dollars. It's ultra slim and portable at 3.9 pounds. It's got decent power for the money and a good selection of ports. However, it's not really up to some of those advanced creative tasks. Number four, the 2021 14-inch MacBook Pro starting at 2,000 US dollars. Hugely powerful, loads of potential storage space. Downside is it's heavy and maybe a little bit of overkill if you're strictly DJing. Because of the processing power, this option may be better suited for those DJ producers out there. Number three is the 2021 Dell XPS 13-inch OLED coming in at 2,000 US dollars. It rivals the pre-M1 MacBook Pros and is more than enough for DJs, but it does lack some ports and again, maybe overkill if you're strictly DJing. This laptop has more than enough power to DJ with the 11th generation Intel Core i5 and eight gigabytes of RAM. On the downside, it only has two USB-C ports, but that can be fixed if you get an adapter or a dongle but I'm sure that OLED screens makes for a pleasurable experience in a dark nightclub. Number two, the Acer Swift 3, starting at 700 US dollars. It packs a lot of power for its price. It's got a good mix of ports, but the display is a little bit average. Now it's often referred to as an alternative to the pre-M1 MacBook Airs. It's slim, it's light, and it's highly portable. And last but not least, number one, is the 2020 13-inch M1 MacBook Air coming in at $1,000. Super lightweight and portable and sports that M1 chip, but it doesn't have a lot of ports and it does not have a fan. The M1 Air hits the sweet spot with power, reliability, flexibility, and lightweight. Now the MacBook Pro line is much more powerful, but it comes with a hit in the wallet as well as an increase in weight. The base model for the Air comes with eight gigabytes of RAM and 256 gigabytes of solid state storage. Even the 18 hour battery life just can't make up for the limited number of ports on this model. It's got two USB-C ports, but one of them has to be used for power. The other one you're gonna need to connect to your controller with an additional cable. So you're gonna have to probably go for a dongle in order to maximize your experience. Something else to consider because of the lack of external ports is you might want to increase that solid state drive because you might not be able to hook up an external drive. Now, hold on, before you stop dropping all the hate in the comment section, I didn't make this list. This list was compiled by Music Radar, but I did add a couple of things to consider when sourcing 
a new laptop. Consider buying an older model. I bought my 2015 MacBook Pro when the 16 models had already been released. I like the fact it just had the HDMI ports and the SD card reader. And since it was an older model, I saved a couple hundred bucks as well. Until the newest version of the MacBook Pro dropped, it was a popularly sought after model in the used market because of the number of ports that it had. Was it more expensive than a Windows computer? Absolutely. But I've been using it faithfully for close to a decade to DJ, edit photos and videos, and I've had great success. Even when I finally decide to replace it, it'll still serve well as a good web browser and just daily use laptop. Another option is to buy used. Now, provided you're buying from a reputable source, buying a used device is an extremely viable option. Co-host Trip Turlington and friend of the show B-Funk have both had positive experiences buying from the used marketplace. If you don't have the need for or the budget to buy the latest and greatest, buying used can help you address any technological barriers you may have with your current laptop, and it may save you some cash as well. In my photography endeavors, I've pretty much bought nearly all my kit used, with the exception of one lens, and I've still been able to crank out banging footage for Dave for the Passionate DJ podcast, as well as our preferred partner, the DJ Hookup. No shame in buying used gear at all. And lastly, I know there's a massive Mac versus PC debate in the DJ space, but regardless of what camp you lean towards, what I can say is that the brand of laptop you purchase has little to no impact on your ability to DJ. It's merely a tool, what we utilize to share moments with the crowd. One will not make you better or worse. The cost will not help you get top billing at a show, and neither will accelerate your record deal. Putting in the practice, supporting your local scene, putting your mixtapes out there, and doing the work is what's gonna make you a better DJ with passion and purpose. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to leave us some comments and suggestions on the new format and tell us what other segments you'd like to see on your show. As always, I love you guys. Wash your damn hands. Keep on spinning. I'm Mo and I'm out. The MacBook Pro line also has more ports than its MacBook Air cousin, boasting three Thunderbolt, <coughs> boasting three Thunderbolt ports. Jesus. The MacBook, the MacBook, 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 unique New York, unique New York, boasting three Thunderbolt ports or USB. The MacBook. Now it's often referred to as an atoll, and it comes with four USB-C ports, two USB ports, and an HDI. The M1 Air really hits the sweet spot with power. The MacBook. The MacBook Pro line is much more powerful than the Air series, but it comes with a hit in the wall. The MacBook Pro line. <clears throat> the MacBook Pro line is much more powerful than its Air cousins. Co-host Trip Hurl Trip Hurlington.